When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Biker Chick Chat. I'm your host, Biker Bethany, and I'm on a mission to find female riders from all over the planet find out their stories of how they got into the motorcycle world and on today's episode I'm joined by Emily Jury. She's a motorbike rider from the States with some fantastic stories to tell of all her travels. She's also a welder and a pretty amazing artist at it I've got to say. Let's jump in and see what she's got to say. Hey Emily, welcome to my podcast. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me today. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, when I went on your Instagram and I saw that you do welding, I was like, that is so cool. I love that. Ah, uh, thank you. I am super, super proud of my welding. So I'm glad that you liked it. <laughs> yeah, you should be proud. So what got you into that? Um, So a couple of years ago, I had a big life change and randomly decided to go to school for diesel mechanics. Um, so I have a two year degree in diesel and during schooling, I had to take a class. It was a 15 day class in welding. Uh, we learned stick welding, MIG welding, um, brazing and some other like random things here and there, but I absolutely hated welding, hated everything about it. It scared the living crap out of me. And, uh, I wanted to make my sister this metal rose for her birthday. So I, asked my friends for help. I was like, can you help me? And I was scared of sparks. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm afraid. And they were like, no, you have to do it yourself. And so because I love my sister so much, uh, I really worked through it and made her this metal rose. And that's when I fell in love with it. So since then, I've been making roses and a lot of different random artwork pieces and stuff. And sometimes like actual welding where I'm fixing things. But most of the time, it's just like for art or something along those lines (laughs) yeah that's really cool that you know you can use it in that aspect it doesn't have to be like for a purpose as such you're just you're you're being creative and you can just like create this really cool stuff that's awesome yes I completely agree and it's so funny because like growing up like I've seen artists right and I would like say like oh if they can draw and stuff like that that's an artist in my mind and more or less recently someone was like Emily, you know, you're an artist, right? And I was like, no, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. And they're like, no, what you do is art. Um, so I got asked to be a part of uh, the Maiden Moto Art Show, which is an all, like it showcases all women and it travels to different motorcycle events around the country. And she was like, yeah, I want you to put a piece of your art in the show. And I was like, 
but I don't, I don't make art. I don't know. Like, I'm not good enough to do that. <laughs> so I had to be like convinced that I'm an artist. Uh, so now I consider myself an artist. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it went really, really well. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And it's kind of amazing, actually, how you're just sort of like doing your thing, not really connecting it to a word as such. Like, just you're doing, you're, you're creating art, but that's that's quite funny. You didn't even consider yourself an artist, <laughs> not even in the slightest. <laughs> it was pretty oh. funny, but yeah. Um, so I've then transitioned to uh, teaching women welding. So I've done. Uh, a few things here and there. I worked for the Jesse Combs Foundation, which I'm not sure if you know Jesse Combs, but she was yeah. a welder and a metal fabricator. Um, and they have a foundation for her and Real Deal Revolutions, which goes to different events. And uh, they try to like basically encourage women in the trades. Um, and after my experience as a diesel tech, I really wanted to do the same thing. And there's not a lot of women present. So um, I try really hard to encourage women and support women. And yeah, it, that's where I've kind of continued to go. So I've worked for the Jesse Combs Foundation. I'm going to be working for them again um, in February um, at the David Mann Chopper Show in Ventura, California. And then this past fall, I went and taught welding at a week-long art camp for women. And it's women of all ages that come to this art camp. And it's like a, you know, a sleepaway camp for adults. It's super fun. Um, and these women get to choose like all these different types of art forms that they want to learn. And so I got to teach welding and it was a three-hour class. And each woman got to learn how to run a bead for welding. And then they also got to make a rose. So I had things like set up for them. And I taught them how to use torches and we bent these roses into like really beautiful pieces. And it was so cool because they taught me stuff that I wasn't like, I wasn't doing with my roses. So I went back and like took some of their tricks and put them into my roses as well. So that was super cool. And I was really, really proud of these women. It was so cool. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it's really cool that you can get other women together and sort of, it's one of these things again, isn't it? It's proving that it, it it's it's got it's got a thing around it that it's like it's a manly thing to do or men should do this job but why <laughs> if you know you want to do it and you're a woman like literally why not exactly and I mean I had um so for me the roses that I make they're very very special to me not only was the first one that I made for my sister but after that I had lost a lot of friends um to random things I mean one was a motorcycle accident. A couple was a couple were car accidents. Um, I had a, a classmate who fell through a skylight when he was shoveling off a roof, like just like really sporadic things, but I didn't know how to deal with the grief. And so I learned to deal with it by making these roses and I worked through my grief with these roses. So they're just so special to me. And I got to share it with all of these women in this class. And I told them my story and as I'm telling it, one of the women and like, she's like welding, she came up to me. She's like, I'm really sorry. I'm getting really emotional right now. Um, but like my husband passed away a couple of years ago and it's just like bringing up a lot of memories. And I was like, I'm so glad that this can do that for you. You know, I'm, I'm proud of you for sharing that with me and like having that be something that you can work through. So, you know, it, it really does. Like it, it's so special because some people have those extreme reactions and some are just like, all right, cool. Like I'm learning something like no big deal. But then others are just like, I never thought I'd be able to do this. And now like I can do it too. 
I love yeah. that. I love that. That's amazing. Honestly, like to be able to bring people together like that and, and to share something and just feel that together. Sometimes it's nice to know that someone that you're talking with, like gets it and you're like, you're in it together almost. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It was cool. Like most of the women that I was teaching at this art camp, they were, you know, they were older women. Um, they were like 40s, 50s, 60s, somewhere in there. And they were like, oh, my husband told me I had to take this class or, um, you know, this and that. And some of them were just like, I've just always wanted to learn. This is so cool. And I feel like such a badass for doing this. And I was like, you are a badass. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a couple of them, they had the same fears that I did. You know, they're lighting a torch, this massive torch. And they're like, oh my gosh, um, you know, it's, it's fire. It's fire. And I was like, you're doing great. It's okay. We're going to get through it together and I'm here for you. And I went home that night and just took a long nap. <laughs> so many emotions that were going through all these women that I was like, I'm drained. I'm tired. I need a nap. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so what about within like motorbikes and stuff? Have you been able to use your skills in a really positive way with that? Uh, yeah. So, um, I have. I mean, I do a lot of women's events. That is definitely like my favorite thing. Um, last January, I started working for Kelly Yazdi, who owns Ride Wild. Um, and she puts on events across the country for women in power sports. So it wasn't just motorcycles. It was power sports. So four wheelers and side by sides. Um, we did some snow snowmobiling events too. So that was super cool. And we get all these like just super powerful women, like just the most badass women all together in one room. And we all could just talk about the cool things that we do. And that there's nothing more empowering than just getting a bunch of really cool women together, all riding motorcycles or four wheelers or snowmobiles. And we're just like, you know, just talking about the things we do. And I love that part of it. And they inspire me as much as like I've inspired others. They so much inspire me. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. To surround yourself by people that you feel inspired by is like such an important thing, actually. I think it's quite underrated. Like people need to do that more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's the hard thing when it comes to like women having relationships with women. Sometimes you can feel very intimidated um, and that can be put off or like a little bit of a put off for people. So they're like, oh, I don't really want to like go and be a part of that because they are really like intimidating or whatever. And I think that's the best time to find someone like to talk to a woman is like, wow, this person is so intimidating. They're so successful or they've just done some really cool stuff. Go and learn from them. Talk to them. How have you done this? What do I need to do to do something similar? Um, so I really like, I just thrive in those environments. I'm like, this is amazing. What have you done? How, how do I do it too? <laughs> That is super cool. And I love that all these events, like you get to connect it with your bike and you get to like, if they're surrounded by, you know, like motorbike events and stuff, that's such a cool crossover to have something that you love so much with the world in, but then also riding, it's like two things together. It's really cool. Absolutely. I have never seen something like connect me in ways like or even other people in ways, motorcycles just connect people in ways that like, I don't even understand. Like people that I would have never talked to before or met, I meet because of these motorcycle events or just motorcycles in general. And uh, my roommate said to me, she's like, Emily, no matter where you move, you're going to have friends because you have a motorcycle. I was like, 
you're right. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is so true. Like you do just connect with people that you wouldn't usually just like you've got this thing in common and it's just like, yeah, you both get it. And yeah, it connects people. Yeah. And it's a freedom that like people that don't ride motorcycles, they just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. More people need to ride. (laughs) (laughs) Completely agree. What are you riding at the moment? Um, so I still ride my first motorcycle. It's a 2006 Harley Street Bob. Um, it is the bike that inspired me to ride and the absolute love of my life. Um, so I started riding when I was 18. I went on the back of my high school boyfriend's dad's bike. And it was the first <laughs> time I'd ever been on a bike. And I got on the back. And we went for one ride. And I got off the bike. And I was like, that was great. but I need my own. (laughs) (laughs) And so I convinced my high school boyfriend to go and take the course with me. Um, He actually didn't even want to do it. And I was like, no, we're going to do this. And so we went and did it together. And so we both got our licenses. And um, this street bob was his stepmother's bike. And I saw it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the bike I want. I need this bike. And it was like, yeah, all right. Like, it's her bike. She's not going to sell me her bike, right? Well, some life situations happened. Her dad passed away. So she was going to buy his bike. And so she decided to sell hers. And I found out and I was like, yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so I bought the bike and I've been on it ever since. Uh, I've changed the paint on it just because I crashed. <laughs> so I, had, I changed some things here and there, but like uh, it's still her bike and it has so much sentimental value to me because it was the bike that inspired me to ride from the people that inspired me to ride. And on top of that, um, she did end up passing away from cancer. So it's like got so much sentimental value to me. So I'll never get rid of my bike. I might buy another one in addition to it, but I, I own my dream bike. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's amazing to hear that, that you've actually managed to have it as your first bike for starters and for it to have like a real connection to you. That's, That must be a whole different kind of riding, like with that bike. It really is. Um, you know, it just it feels like I'm protected in a way too. Like she's she's riding with me when I ride, um, which is super special. So that's it's, lovely. That's cool. That's really cool. And so I didn't realize that in America you can jump on any CC uh, from. Is it eighteen? You can ride any bike. Yeah. I think it depends on the state, but I think that sometimes um, you can even get your license at 16 in some states. Um, I know in South Dakota, you can get your driver's license at 14, and I'm pretty sure you can get a motorcycle license around the same age, and I don't know if they have restrictions on CC or anything like that. So I got my license at 18, and I was like, I think a little late to the game um, from some of the people I knew, but... Uh, I've been riding ever since. So I've been riding for about wow. 11 years now. That's awesome. Because like here in the UK, you you go through levels at different ages. So to get on like the biggest bikes, like I think it's you can ride up to 750cc or 650. You have to wait until you're 24 until you can ride anything more than that. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's definitely not a rule here, but that's so interesting. 
Yeah, and like that's why I I want I always knew I wanted to ride a Harley. So for me, I just really wasn't interested in any other bike. So I was like, I'm gonna have to wait until I'm over 24 because I literally don't want to get on anything else. And I I used to ride on like the back of my dad's. I always knew I wanted a Harley, and yeah, I just I just waited until I was 24 before like thinking about doing my license. Whoa, I didn't know that so like even someone coming from the u.s at 18 who had a license they probably still have to follow the same rules over there huh yeah i'm not too sure to be honest i don't know how it would work and cross over but yeah that's pretty mad well the good news is is i'm over 24 so i can come to the uk (laughs) and get on a harley and go and explore the uk (laughs) well that is good news (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so you've been riding 11 years that's quite a long time yeah um it started off as just like you know to town and back and like around like an hour ride here and there um and I was raised in upstate New York and so that's where like I learned to ride and everything and then I left um when life kind of like fell apart for me I took my bike down to North Carolina and I took it on like little rides around North Carolina and then I moved out to South Dakota So I've been in South Dakota for about five years now. And um, the guy that sold me my bike, my first boyfriend's dad, he came out to South Dakota and he took my first like long distance trip with me. And so we rode across South Dakota together. And so that was like my first big trip and changing from like short distance riding to long distance riding. I did not realize how like different that is. Um, But ever since then, I've been obsessed with long distance riding so like anytime someone's like hey you want to go for a quick ride I'm like well what are you thinking they're like ah just like an hour like around town or whatever I'm like uh I'd rather like can we just like ride out to New York for a couple days (laughs) 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 so I'm like this crazy person that's just like now let's do long trips so uh last year I did um 17 states in two months So I left from Colorado, I went down to Texas, I went through Arkansas and to Tennessee, North Carolina, up the coast, and then spent three weeks in New York with my family, went up to like New Hampshire for Laconia Bike Week, and then made my way back to South Dakota. (laughs) I was like, oh, "Oh, it's no big deal. Just like a little, a little ride. And everyone's like, my dad, I called my dad. I was like, hey, I decided I'm going to ride to New York. And he goes, but then your bike's going to be in New York. And I was like, okay, I'm not seeing the problem. He goes, yeah, then you got to get it home. And I was like, well, I rode it there. So probably going to end up riding it back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's mad. So like, how many miles was that? Do you know? Um, It was close to 10,000 miles in the two months. Um, Between that and then uh, my roommate and I went to Milwaukee and picked up a couple Pan Americas from Harley. And we rode them from Milwaukee to South Dakota for an ADV event. And then we rode it back. So between the two bikes, um, it was about 10,000 miles. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of riding. It was a lot of riding, uh, but it was so amazing. And I feel like I have like this badge on my belt now, like um, this like cool rider that's gone like most of the way across the country. (laughs) (laughs) Is that you think that's like almost like an aim, like especially in America where you can just cross the States and, you know, freely go everywhere yeah absolutely it's like so it's a badge of honor i don't know if you guys do this but uh the iron butt oh yeah 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 i mean if you do a thousand miles in one day that or in 24 hour period um then you get the iron butt badge 
and I haven't done an iron butt yet. I mean, I'm, I've been like a hundred and something miles short of it, but, uh, I don't feel the need to do that, but I have, <laughs> I did feel the need to drive across the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. I'd love to come out and, you know, do a big ride across all the States and really see everything. It's, it's really amazing. There's nothing like it. Um, but on the other side, like I've done it now. So now I'm, I was looking at your Instagram and the Switzerland, like switchbacks in Switzerland. Oh my God. <laughs> now, I gotta, now we got to start going to the next place and the next place. Like when's the next trip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you can come out to Europe as well, there is so much to offer and I'm sure it's super different to America as well even though you guys have so much different terrains and stuff I guess just you know being in a different continent it just does swap it all up again doesn't it oh yeah it's it changes everything um we went to Indonesia in September and we were there for a month and we rented motorcycles and just like rode around the island for a month and it was amazing nice oh my gosh getting like used to the road rules getting used to like all the traffic uh I was overwhelmed for a couple days and I didn't realize I was overwhelmed because I was like on the back of a motorcycle um and when I finally like calmed down I was on the back of the motorcycle and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna die But I hadn't felt that the previous days. So I was like, that's how I knew I was overwhelmed is because I didn't realize like, I could die here. This is insane traffic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is mad traffic in places like that, isn't it? Oh my gosh. And there's no road rules. So like, if a car slows down, you just go around him. If it's on the sidewalk, if it's on the other side of the road, like no one cares. You just split the way and you go. And I'm like, okay here we go so getting around in a car there is like unhurt like don't do that that'll take you days to get anywhere but on a motorcycle so coming back to the u.s i was like i had to like retrain myself of like one don't drive on the wrong side of the road definitely did that and then two you can't just pass people randomly it's very upsetting (laughs) do you guys have lane splitting where you are um So most of the year I live in South Dakota and there is no lane splitting there. Um, And then currently I'm based in Las Vegas and there's not lane splitting here either. Um, I was just in California this past weekend and they do have lane splitting and these bikes were just like flying by us. Um, But I haven't, I haven't ridden in California yet. So uh, that'll be an interesting change as well to just fly by lane splitting. Yeah, it is like, I mean, we do it here in the UK. It's like a totally normal thing, you know. If you don't, like, it's called filtering here. It's like seen as like progressive riding. Like, why would you wait behind a car if you can slip right. down the middle, you know? But it is something to learn, like, especially when you're on a bigger bike like a Harley or something like that. You've got to really understand the width that you are. And every single, like, especially slow moving traffic, you're you're eyeing up every gap, like, can I fit through that gap? <laughs> Will I make it? <laughs> I think so. Just try. <laughs> See, and that's like, it's so much harder to do on a bigger bike. Whereas like in Indonesia, we had these tiny little like 225s. They're small bikes, but they can fit anywhere. So it's like, yeah, can I fit? I'm sure I can. But on a Harley, I just can only imagine it'd be a little bit harder being like, all right, got to really size up this gap a little more. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. And like some people are courteous, like they see you're coming or the great thing about being on a Harley, you know, rev it up a little bit. Anyone's going to look in their mirror and see you there right away. But some people that this classic stubborn British, I'm actually going to say, oh, as a motorbike, I'm not going to move over. And they just sit there like, ha ha, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying <laughs> to be honest with you i'd probably be one of those people if i was stuck in a car and i'd be like nah this guy's gotta wait for me now <laughs> <laughs> can't go, i can't go or i can't go he can't go <laughs> so selfish <laughs> i know it really is but you know it's just jealousy <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure because anytime if I'm in a car and if I'm in traffic especially and a motorbike comes past I'm just like damn it I really wish I was on my bike right now see it's just jealousy I get you <laughs> so have you done other trips abroad or was Indonesia the first so Indonesia was my first international trip and um last year was like that was my goals I just wanted to do one and we loved it so much that now we're going back and we're taking eight people with us um so we're doing like this tour of Indonesia so it's an eight-day curated tour all on adventure bikes and we're gonna like ride through volcanoes and these crazy switchbacks and beautiful rice fields and show these people the island and it's gonna be really really fun uh, I booked my trip for six weeks. Um, and I think I'm going to jump over to maybe Thailand or something in addition to that to just nice. check somewhere else out. But, um, now that I've gotten a taste of the international stuff and like, I'm seeing more of like these videos of people riding in other countries, I'm like, okay, let's go. Like when's the next trip? Um, one of my friends, he just did a trip over to, I think Ireland and rented bikes over in Ireland and just rode around. And I was like, okay, now we got to like, just get things a little more settled here. So that way I can start doing a little bit more of that kind of stuff because I've done the U S I'm ready for the next. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's good to, isn't it? To get out there and try and experience a little bit more. And yeah, different... I mean, not only just experience and like see other places, but like experience other cultures, you can yeah. learn so much from other people's like, just way of life, you know? And one thing that I love doing when I'm traveling is I love seeing how people are buried because the way people are buried can say so much about like a culture. Um, you know, even like I lived in New Orleans for a little bit and down there, everyone is like, they're buried above ground in these beautiful, like, it almost looks like a house. Um, but they put them in there and they're pressurized and you can have generations of people in these like buildings. Um, but they can't, bury them below sea level or underground because it's all above sea level. And so they just come back up. So I just think that like the way people are buried is so interesting. And I don't mean that in like a, wow, I'm like, you're so morbid. <laughs> you can like learn so much about people by, and like cultures and you can just grow as a person by, you know, experience other cultures. And so that's the biggest, I mean, I just want to do more of that and why not do it on a motorcycle? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. When you see it on a motorbike, it's it's so different, isn't it? Like you fully take in a place, like when you're out there in the elements and being able to just, you know, pull over much more easier and, and like take in the surroundings. It It is totally different. Yeah, it really is. And like you said, you're in the elements. You really like experience 
all of the good, all of the bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is so true. I was just thinking if your friend went to Ireland, I I don't know what the weather would have been like because it's pretty rainy over there. I was going to say, I know, um, so my dad rode motorcycles before I was born. And then he got rid of them before I was born. So I never like knew him as a motorcycle rider. Um, But he said that after he graduated college, he was going to go over to Europe and just ride motorcycles. They were going to buy motorcycles and just ride them over there. And he goes, and then we got there and it just rained every day. (laughs) He was like, I didn't want to ride a motorcycle in the rain every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you've got to choose the right time. And I mean, we've had some uh, pretty good summers recently, but you can't rely on it. Some sometimes you can have a summer and it's rubbish and you think, oh, wasn't even much sun night. So it is hit or miss. But if you get it good, then it's great. Well, I'm hoping for good luck on my side when I do it. <laughs> just bring some wet gear just in case. All right, that's good to know. <laughs> so what's like one of your most happiest moments you've had on a bike? Um, so couple one the trip across South Dakota with the guy that sold me my first motorcycle gave me my first ride on my bike um that was super like just fulfilling right I got to like go and do this and for him too because his wife she looked very similar to me she had blonde hair and so he's like you know your ponytail was sticking out and so it was just like this really great moment for both of us um but like I said my dad uh rode motorcycles when he was in his twenties. And then when I was born or when he got married, actually, he stopped riding. Well, in 2020 or 2019, he sold his business and he calls me and he goes, Hey, I just bought a motorcycle. And I was like, you did what? He's like, yeah, I bought a motorcycle. I want to, I want to come ride with you. I was like, okay, dad, sure. Um, so he brought his motorcycle out to South Dakota. Um, my mom still refuses to get on a bike. So she drove the truck. And then my sister decided that she wanted to ride on the back of my bike as well. So it was the first time that I've ever been able to share my love for motorcycles with my family, like having my sister on the back of my bike, having my dad like on his own bike. And we rode from South Dakota. We went up to um, the Bighorns in Wyoming and then up to Beartooth Pass in Montana and went down and dropped in like we went from Red Lodge down and dropped down to Cook City. Um, and then we went to Yellowstone and the Tetons and we rode all the way back. And so we did like this week-long trip, this week-long motorcycle trip as a family with motorcycles involved. And it was like just the best experience. I mean, we wanted to kill each other the whole time. But <laughs> it was so cool because I finally got to share motorcycles with my family. And yeah, it was definitely one of the happiest moments. And as much as I, I absolutely love all the trips that I've done and the people I've met along the way, there's something really special about being able to share what you're really passionate about with your family. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, like growing up, my dad has always had a motorbike like well, for a lot of the time. So being on the back of his and I'd done some trips with him uh, into Europe on the back of his bike and I would just always imagine having you know my own bike being next to him so the first time I was able to ride next to him it was like so surreal like oh my god it's actually happening you know (laughs) that's so cool I love that that like is a possibility and that's something that we can do you know And even like when I ride with my dad now, we'll stop at gas stations and he talks to everyone. Um, But he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm Emily's dad. And like 
he's just like so proud like Aww. oh yeah she just rode here from south dakota and like we were up in new york he's like oh yeah she's been riding all over the country and she does this and he's just so proud and it's just so like wholesome to be able to do that with my dad that is really sweet i love that so much so what about the other end of the spectrum what's like one of the most scariest or dangerous moments you've had <laughs> so i hit a roof <laughs> oh my god (laughs) uh i was down in texas last not this past fall but the fall before and uh i had a friend that she decided that she was gonna ride all 50 states of the u.s on her motorcycle and so i knew she was in texas and i happened to be there too and i hit her up and i was like hey i really want to do part of like your 50 by 50 with you um and her goal was to do it all by the time she turned 50 so She's like, oh, absolutely. That sounds great. And so we woke up that morning and my bike wouldn't start. And I was like, oh man. All right. Well, I called her. I was like, hey, I don't know what's happening. Like my bike's not starting. If you need to go ahead, go ahead. And she's like, no, I think this is the universe telling me that I need to slow down. And I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. So I got my bike started, got on the road, was at this stoplight, bike dies. And I was like, what the heck? My bike does not have issues. I don't understand. So somehow started back up, went going. I was like, all right, cool. We're going to keep going. So her and I ride and Texas has um, a Bucky's. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bucky's, but it is the largest gas station ever. And people of Texas love Bucky's. So there's just like, it's their mascots, like a beaver. And they have like all these clothes and stuff that are covered in Bucky's and symbols. And they have all this food and no semi-trucks allowed it's just cars and like motorcycles and it's a revolving door of people just coming through so we had stopped there grabbed lunch we sat outside and ate and when I left I left my wallet in between my legs and I never picked it back up so we kept riding and we made it 200 miles before I realized I left my wallet at this Bucky's and I was like oh no so I tried calling Fun fact, Bucky's does not have like a customer service line or a direct line to their locations. You have to actually go to the location or go online and file your complaint there based on the phone number that I called. (laughs) So we spent the night and then the next morning I was like, well, I got to go back and get my wallet. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to continue on my way. So we separated and I started the 200 mile ride back to Bucky's. And so my GPS had taken me on these back roads because I was trying not to do highways. So I'd taken these back roads. And I'm going along, I'm following these cars. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this piece of metal roofing is like flying at me. And I'm like, holy crap. And I just held on. I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is I held on. And I, after it was over, my hand hurt. And I was like, I should probably pull over. I was like, I'm still up, but I should probably pull over. So I pull over in this like driveway and this car pulls up next to me and he goes, are you okay? And I go, I think I just hit that. And he goes, oh yeah, you hit it. And I was like, cool. I'm still alive. And he was like, yeah, are you okay? And I go, I don't see blood. Do you see blood? (laughs) He was like, no, I don't see blood. And I go, cool. I made it. (laughs) He goes, okay, we're going to go now. And I was like, all right, man, see you later. (laughs) And the adrenaline's just pumping through me at this point. And so I like got off the bike and I was like, I'm going to go see what I hit. And I go back and there's this like massive piece of roofing on the ground. 
Um, and that's definitely what I hit. And I took a picture of it and I found my brake lever. It had broken my brake lever off. And so I found that and I was like, cool, I got this. And so I walk back and I'm looking at my bike and I have a little scrape on my tank. I'm missing my front brakes. Um, I had two tiny little cuts on my fingers because I was like fully dressed in protective gear at this point because it was really cold that day. And I'm also pretty good about wearing protective gear. So I had two tiny little cuts there. I had hyperextended my thumb. My chaps had like this big cut down them um, on my legs. And then my jacket had a cut on the arm like right there. And so I was like assessing the damage. And these guys in this driveway, like they're sitting um, at this like house. And it was like, like these two like nice Southern dudes. And they're just sitting on the porch and they're like, oh, is that your bike? And I was like, yeah, it is. And he goes, he goes, oh, okay. Well, we were wondering what, why it was parked there. And I go, he goes, what are you doing? I go, man, I just hit a roof. <laughs> he goes, you hit a what? <laughs> Like I hit a roof. And so I walk up and I start talking to them and they go, man, where are you going? I go, man, I lost my wallet. It's like I had a Bucky's that way. And he goes, why'd you go this way? I go, I don't know. My GPS told me to. <laughs> he goes, ma'am, you're, you're out of your way for sure. And I was like, I was like, yeah. He goes, well, are you okay? And I go, well, I lost my front brakes, but I still have my back brakes. So I should be good. Right? Like I can still ride. He goes, well, how much farther? And I go, I have another hundred miles. And he goes, ma'am, you don't seem like you have very good luck and we're not going to be the ones to tell you that you can keep going. And I was like, fair enough, but I think I got this. <laughs> so I rode the hundred miles with only back brakes, wow. <laughs> made it to the Bucky's. They tried to tell me they didn't have my wallet. And then like, after a lot of arguing, they found my wallet, all of my cash in it. Everything was still there. It was like a miracle. And uh, I made it to my friend's house back in Texas and I didn't have like any brake lights or taillights because, or turn signals because um, it had taken out my front brake, which had like surged the power. So I had like been riding very dangerously, but nonetheless, I made it. It was definitely one of the scariest experiences of my life, but one hell of a story came out of it. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh my God. That's mad that you've actually made it back. You didn't have any lights or anything. That's mad. Someone was watching out for me that day, 100%. Um, I'm very fortunate. And to only, like, I hyperextended my thumb. So, like, gripping the uh, the throttle was, was tough on the way back. But, I mean, that could have been way worse. If that thing had been flat, it could have decapitated me for sure. You know, like, it was, I got really lucky. Really, really yeah, lucky. That, that's just reminded me of, like, a Final Destination scene. <laughs> you know that film? <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bit of roof just, just takes you out yep that would be a bummer clean off <laughs> but I don't know how I kept that bike up I mean that's the that's the scariest thing is like so, I mean I could have gone down for sure but like I said someone was watching for me you must be a strong girl <laughs> that day I guess I was <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the day, but that day was, uh, you know, I had no other option. What was I going to do? Call my friends and be like, hey, can you come and pick me up? Uh, I know you have no way of getting me or any vehicle to like load my bike in. But so, you know, you just do what you have to do. And it's amazing what your body can do and what you can do when you have no other choice. Yeah, that is true. If you're thinking I've just got to get through this, like sometimes on like the trips that we've done, 
there was a moment where I was like, I'm so tired right now. I've been riding for so long. And we, it was in a heat wave at the time. So it was so hot. And like I said to you earlier, I brought all wet gear and like I had a relatively thick jacket on and everything was waterproof. It did not rain once and it was just in this like heat wave. It just, it was incredibly hard at times, you oh. know, sitting on a boiling hot engine, especially through the mountain passes and all through, you know, the lower gears, the bike just heats up so much, doesn't it? Oh yeah. And yeah there were some times where I was struggling, but it's like, and I can't just pull over here. I need to go where we're going. So you just carry on, don't you? Yep, absolutely. And I almost think the heat is worse than the cold because like, at least you can like drop your hand down on the engine or whatever, but the heat, oh my gosh, I've had a few close calls on like with the heat. It's oof. Yeah. And those were like rain protective gear. It is not breathable at all. You just not heat up all. more. Oof. Yeah, literally. It was so bad. Like, and but the thing is, like, w- when it got really bad, I was in Italy at the time, and they're pretty crazy driving out there. So, and I'm the same as you. I always try and wear my protective gear, but like, I wanted to take my jacket off so bad, and I was thinking, if I wasn't in Italy right now, I maybe would. But I was like, I just can't risk it. These guys are too crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand that. I mean, you know, we do our best, but some days, some days I take off the jacket because you just, you don't want to like heat stroke out, you know, but yeah, I am really good about like my pants. I always wear my protective pants, um, but oh yeah, I mean, sometimes I do take off the take jacket. <laughs> Sorry, oh, you've got to weigh up your losses, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So uh, the street, the street wheel that you've got, is that actually your dream bike? It is. Um, I've been getting on the Pan America a lot. That's Harley's new adventure bike. And I'm like absolutely in love with it. But my street bob is like the love of my life. Um, I'll definitely like add more bikes to my collection in the future. Like I have a couple dirt bikes. Um, but street bike wise, yeah, there's no other bike that I like. I mean, the El Diablo is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And, um, I've, I enjoy riding other bikes, but at the end of the day, the street Bob, I have it set. So I really like it. You know, it's really comfortable and I can do a cross country trip and, you know, only partially want to kill myself and not fully want to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because let's be real, long distance trips are tough. They are. They do get tough. It doesn't matter how much you gear yourself up or have the ultimate bagger or whatever. It does get to a point where you just you need to get off and stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to move on to a little game, uh, but I need to ask you three questions first. Okay. So I need to know, what's your favorite food? What's your dream destination and your favorite car, if you have one? Okay. Um, Favorite food. I have a lot of food allergies. Um, So food and I have a very interesting relationship. Most people like live to eat. I'm one of those people that I eat to live. Um, But I do. I love sugar. And so when I was in Indonesia... 
I made it my mission to find all of the vegan pancakes that I could find and eat all of them and try all of them. So I'm going to go with pancakes are my favorite um, because pancakes, maple syrup. I'm from upstate New York. I mean, we make maple syrup. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then dream destination. There's too many. Um, I have family in England. I have family in Spain. I have family in Germany and I have never been to any of those places. So I would love to go to all of them. Um, I have always been in love with Asia and Asia's culture. So I definitely want to experience more of that. But today, after seeing your Instagram post of Switzerland and that ride through Switzerland, I'm going to say that's my dream destination uh, because that was just beautiful. So that ride through Switzerland is going to be my dream destination today. (laughs) And then favorite car. So I'm not much of a car person. I love trucks. Um, Absolutely love trucks. So like uh, 60s Chevy Stepside trucks are definitely like top top of the line yeah okay that's a good choice actually i like those beefy 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 trucks as well they're cool aren't they yeah so we're gonna have a game of would you rather okay (laughs) prepare yourself (laughs) so you've got your your dream bike your um your your street street bob fat bob street bob yep street bob that you've already got so you've got that bike that obviously you can ride however much you like. But if you keep your bike, you can never eat pancakes again. Or you can eat your pancakes every day and never ride your bike again. So that is a tough one because I do love pancakes. However, I had to give up milk and I can't have any milk products in my life. And I've survived. I've never had to give up my street bob. So I don't know oh. if I'd survive. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going with the bike on this one. <laughs> okay, that's a smart decision. <laughs> we want you to survive. <laughs> Absolutely. So what about if I throw Switzerland in the mix? You can go to Switzerland and you can do the cool ride through the Furka Pass, but not on the street bob. I can't do it on my street bob. No, and um, you'll never be allowed to ride your street bob again either. <gasps> but you can keep your street bob and never go to Switzerland. Oh. Oh, my heart hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how much this would hurt me to like make a decision like this. <laughs> Ooh. Um. I'm probably going to pick the street bob. Okay. That's I mean, tough. It, that's a really tough one, but I mean, that bike means more to me than anything else. I mean, it really, really does. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know if I could give it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely fair enough. And then what about the truck then? You can have your ultimate truck or 
your dream bike, but I think I know what you're going to pick. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely picking the bike over the truck too. I mean, there's, there's other trucks out there, but there's not another street Bob. That's, that's mine. You know, this bike is like, it's inspired me to ride. It was the woman that inspired me to ride. It was her bike. It was, it's taken me so far and I get very sentimentally attached to my items. So (laughs) (laughs) my street Bob trumps everything. It's going to be, it's the all time winner. Nothing can beat it. I don't think. (laughs) Oh, amazing. I love it. Well, Emily, I just want to ask you one more question to wrap things up. Okay. So if you could go back in time to when you first started riding, what bit of advice would you give yourself? Um, ride with as many people as you can, um, and talk to them, ask them questions because other people's advice and their situations, like hitting a roof, (laughs) you can learn so much from those stories. Um, and then, you know, take classes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I took the Harley intro course and that's how I got my license. And I feel like I learned so much from that, but this past year I've taken like adventure bike courses where I learned to ride a motorcycle off road. Um, I met up with a couple people and I learned how to use the front brake properly. I've been riding for 11 years and I didn't know half the things that he was telling me. Um, so talking to people and learning as much as you can, I think that just helps you so much become a more confident rider. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a solid piece of advice. I love that. (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today it's been great hearing your stories and getting to know you better thank you this has been so much fun i'm glad we're able to do this and look at this motorcycles have brought us together in a way that we never probably would have met otherwise 100 percent that motorcycles have done it again (laughs) oh they've struck (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of bike chick chat Please don't forget, if you'd like to see more from us, you can check out our links in the description below. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, like, follow, all that jazz. You know what to do. And I'll look forward to seeing you on the next one.